the Titanic reaction on Tony Mankus. Be aware, these are real stories. Well, most of them are. They will contain tales of alcohol, drugs, sex, extreme violence, and language Mary Whitehouse would not approve of. Take caution when listening. Hi, I'm Tony Mangus. This is Titanic Reaction. I'm here with a bunch of women business owners, and they're all punks. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, let's just start. Introduce yourselves and tell us about your business. My name is Shelly, and I own a hair salon in Baltimore called Craft Care Studio. And we do a lot of shags and mohawks and whatever else. We can do anything. It's fun. I feel like I should add, she has great hair, by the way. I'm like kind of embarrassed. I didn't even, I didn't even try. I'm like, this is, yeah, what are you, talking about? you look hot. Oh, I did put on lipstick. Thank you, baby. <laughs> We're all hot. Well, I'll go next. Um, I'm Alex and I run a a custom leather bag business in Chicago. I sell online, but I also have a little workshop storefront space in Logan Square. Uh, My name is Roz, um, Rosalind McCallard. I own a, a vegan heavy metal themed sandwich company called Snack Relage in Portland, Oregon, but we're actually available, uh, in all parts of the United States now which is kind of cool. And um, most of the employees get obliterated seven inches because Kelly uh, had a huge box of them. So if they, if there's a bonus, they get my my former band seven inches, which I've had exactly one of them say was pretty good. So that felt kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I have to show these kids that I was not always a cranky old lady that tells them what to do. So yeah, (laughs) pretty cool. I like it. Awesome. Um, I'll go next, I think. Um, I'm Carmen, and I own a salon in Portland called Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in about a month as soon as I'm vaccinated. Perfect. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> I shaved my head like a month ago before they announced that we'd all be able to get vaccines. So it's kind of growing back, so I'll need a haircut. Uh, well, I'll be there for sure. It'll be awesome. Your, your Britney moment. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that together. I really had lost all hope and given up. And then like right after I did it, then they announced that all Americans would be vaccinated by June and I finally was happy. Oh my God. That's amazing. Oh my So where did you guys live when you got into punk? Hardcore ballast, baby. Hardcore ballast. (laughs) I think that's actually when right around the time I met you, Tony, was Justin Bargy was um we were coming up here to to see shows from Corvallis. And I think that's how I, I met you back at the house with Bob and that, that house over on 60th, like in like 90, I want to say like 93, Justin would, we'd go up to shows at, um, at the X-Ray. Got to see some, got to see some good bands back in the day. Well, I, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. So I was kind of like a pop punk skater lover kid and then you know chicago is just like a 35 minute drive so i grew up going to like the metro bottom lounge um so many really cool old venues that aren't even around anymore too what was the, what's the bowling alley the bowling alley's fireside bowl oh right right yep is it yep. still there Fulton avenue it is still there yes um is and shows there I want to say yes, um, but who knows? I, I know it's still open. Um, it's worth going to for sure. It looks really cool. Like the sign outside is really nice and like vintage looking. It hasn't oh. changed. Yeah. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and uh, we had a bunch of cool venues there for a while, but most of them are kind of shut down by this point. So it sucks. But now I'm in Baltimore and there's a whole new set of stuff. So, <laughs> Are the ones in Denver, were they closed before COVID? They started slowly closing down as more people moved there to open dispensaries. Like all the California yuppies took hold of it. Oh, but right. There's some that are still around that are really cool. Like Casa Bonita. It's not a venue, but <laughs> goddamn, it better stick around. <laughs> <laughs> the thing from South Park? Yeah, it's real. 
When this oh comfort's over, I'll take all of you guys. We're going to Costco. <laughs> oh my god, I have, I have relatives in Colorado, and I didn't even know that was a real place. That's so funny. That's why you got to go with me. Let's go. I absolutely. Let's go right now. Let's go all the way. Let's go all the way to Chicago. I'm all right. From Chicago. <laughs> How about you, Carmen? Um, well, you know, it's kind of weird. So my mom, you know, I grew up with her being in punk bands, playing the music. So I feel like I kind of grew up with it. But then I definitely feel like I tried to rebel by being super normal and not liking it, you know. Um, but <laughs> as like I kind of became a teenager, I was like, no, this is what feels normal to me. And, you know, so I think definitely um, we moved to Portland when I was probably about like nine. So I grew up here. What attracted you to punk? I love the DIY culture. Um, I was always really creative. So I would like, I remember um, like having like a plain white t-shirt and going to Michael's and buying like uh, those patches that had le leopard prints on them. And I would just like <laughs> sew them onto the t-shirt and sell it on live journal and like just make my money that way. Um, that was like early high school. So definitely DIY, um, just connecting with other like angsty people and then fashion of course I, I i really um excelled in fashion design in high school we had a i had it all four years and as soon as i found out about vivian westwood and like the sex store i was like there's my muse right there <laughs> i've spent so many hours staring at vivian westwood and malcolm mclaren's sex store pictures Ah, oh, i love um i actually <laughs> so I went many hours store in la a couple of years ago and i had to try on like so many things just so i could try them on can't afford it, but I needed. I need. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a picture of the Vivian Westwood store in Amsterdam. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, I've never actually even walked in, but oh, you'll have why to not? send me videos of that too. Uh, because the stuff that they make now is just like not anything I'm interested in, and I can't afford it. Yeah, very like couture weird, but it's worth trying on. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like punk because it allowed um, a more positive outlook outlet for um, any negative emotion or any release from traumatic things that were going on in like a childhood setting and just like meeting people who were freaky like yeah. me. You know, it's like when I went to school, I, I was the only kid that liked this stuff. Like I'd tell people about Ramones and they'd be like, what are you talking about? And then I, you know, I've met all of these cool kids going to these random shows and it's like awesome. And then it inspires you to start your own band and then you kind of grow from that and just grow into a, a strong person, I feel like, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I like the, the fashion. Everybody just looks so colorful and interesting. Um, I think the first time I ever heard Bad Religion, I just kind of lost my mind. They are still my favorite punk band. I don't care. I love them so much. Um, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I know. People are good. My yeah. husband's like, I'm so tired of hearing that stupid sing-songy band. And I'm like, dude, I will love them forever. I don't care. <laughs> um, and I also, I also really uh, was really kind of a drug enthusiast. And uh, there was a lot of people taking drugs back then. So I really liked getting high and going to shows and just jumping in the pit and just getting crazy um, and just feeding off the energy. Uh, and I liked, um, uh, kind of similar to that, uh, not really, but how a lot of people were vegetarian because I've been vegetarian since I was 11. And I really liked how a lot of punks were vegetarian, vegan. And that's like the first, I think my first um, exposure to veganism was like the soy not oi cookbook, you know, back in high school and like really making the connection between liberation of humans, liberation of animals. And I really liked that too. So awesome. And those are the two, like the two main parts of punk. You like your answer about all the drugs and getting high and going to shows and Shelly's about the positive outlet. For <laughs> it's the dichotomy of punk. Exactly. Depends on what your uh, idea of positive may be. <laughs> there, there's a lot of happy times that I do not remember at all, but I know, that, I know, I know they were there. I know I was positive the whole time. I was having a great fucking. <laughs> I got the, the potential to prove it. Yeah. 
let's say like getting high and going in a mosh pit is like one of the best feelings. You don't feel any of the pain anymore. Your eyes are like going through different ways. <laughs> Shoving people, you're like, shove me back, just shove me back. <laughs> Oh man, what I what I seriously wouldn't get. I'm like, I don't care if I am going to be 45 by the time COVID's over. I'm going to go find a mosh pit. I'm getting in there. I don't care I if I. <laughs> Carmen, what about you? Oh my gosh, I mean, I feel like it just was like, you know, kind of trying to fit in with like normal kids at school, trying to like be a part of that just didn't work for me. And it was like the one place where I felt like I could be comfortable. I could just be myself. Right. I wasn't having to like put on a costume to like fit in or buy the latest things. It was just about, you know, how I felt, what I wanted to do. And I felt like everybody that I met was so creative. Like everybody was into art and music and they were like interesting to talk to. Um, And so, you know, that's what really made me want to keep hanging out, you know? Totally. Definitely. Anything but Abercrombie. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That was all that was around. Abercrombie yeah. Hollister. Oh, oh. Yeah. stank. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Yeah, I, like, why were they, like teenage boys not wearing shirts, selling yeah. shirts? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like spray like, cologne on you. Oh, like, really uncool. <laughs> smells like some kid's armpit. Like, oh. <laughs> oh I don't think God. I've ever been in an Abercrombie or a Hollister store, to be honest. I don't think it's ever I happened. You just walk by one. Oh my God. I don't feel You'll like the scent. There. Yeah. <laughs> they blow it out into the hallway. <laughs> they do. You can smell it when you're walking past. You're like, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> So out of all the awesome places closing, do you think uh, COVID will finally kill the mall? In Portland, yes. Uh, mall's dead. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd's Dinner doesn't have a chance, man. Poor Lloyd's Dinner. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with that place. Oh, my God. It's, oh, yeah. they can turn it into a Casa Bonita. Yep. That, yes, and I'm going to open it. And Screw the hair salon. I'm going to open multiple Casa Bonitas across the globe. <laughs> Jane. Oh, you can get all the Amber Crombie and Fitch guys, then they can be the divers. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. <laughs> so what bands made the biggest impression on you when you first got into punk? Ramones. Did you ever get to see them? Damn. I'm gonna, I did see the Ramones. It was one of the best shows of my life. I think I, I went with Matt Brainerd for my 18th birthday, and it was fucking incredible. I'm also going to say the Gets. I've been thinking about this one a lot out there because I, that was one of those bands, the first time I heard the Gets, I just I just was like blown away. Dude, I know I'm hitting all the American punk bands, so we can throw in some Vice Squad there. If you want to get a few of the, if a few of the UK ones in there, and I still, I still look Running Riot, Cox Bar is still to this day one of my favorite songs. Um, so just so good, good, solid. But I think seeing the the Ramones for sure was just such an amazing. I mean, I know I'm skipping ahead, but that show was just it was over at um at the Roseland in night in ninety. Oh my god, it's I think ninety five, maybe ninety five, ninety four, ninety. Were you at that yeah. show? Well, okay, so here's my story about that show. So <laughs> I wanted to go so bad, and you know my parents love the Ramones. I fully grew up listening to them. Uh, but they, my mom was like, oh, it's not their last show. They always say that. It's not their last tour. <gasps> and it totally was. So thanks, mom. But, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was an ama- it was an amazing show. My sister's still guilty of me because I was supposed to get her tickets and I waited too long and it sold out. But Matt had gotten me tickets for my birthday, so I got to go. Uh, <laughs> um, twice, what is that? Like, this is 26 years later and I'm still feeling bad about it, but it was really, really an awesome show, honestly. <laughs> really good. Yeah. I heard it was really good, I, but no, I wasn't there. <laughs> um. Shelly, I forgot the difference in ages. I was not trying to rub that in. No, that's that okay. You get a, that you didn't get to see the room. <laughs> it's okay. I gotta go. <laughs> okay, me neither, Shelly. <laughs> Man, we suck. <laughs> Babies. <laughs> No, I saw 
I saw the distillers at the old bottom lounge when it was really tiny. It was like a small living room. And I was so young and so impressed by Brody. She came in wearing this huge mohawk and like her, you know, her like infamous halters that she always wore. And I think I was like 16 and just being like, who is this fucking queen? Like, I love her to death. Uh, Love that. I also really liked Very Early Against Me. Love them so much. (laughs) 999, too. That was like a gateway. Mm. I'd say. Did they play in Denver? Um, No, I don't think so. At least not when I was old enough to go. But I um, I checked out CDs from the library that I lived down the street from. So for some reason, I was able to check out a 999 CD from there. And I was just like, oh, my God. What the hell is this? I'm like, this is so cool. And that was like a gateway. It's like you get all of these bands that are both obscure and like mainstream as well through that. And it's just kind of like a chain reaction through listening to one band, which is awesome. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I learned a lot of bands through like Tony Hawk video games yeah. on like day <laughs> I got like compilations after watching CKY and I fell in love with the Vandals and No Effects and you know, all, all those kind of bands. Um, and then that just really opened up, opened up doors. There's, um, uh, record breakers. Have you guys heard of record breakers in Mm -hmm. Chicago? So instead of going to the library, I'd go to record breakers and they had, um, CDs that you can pull and listen to. And that was awesome. I love to do that. But you just sit there and listen to it. Yep. Yep. I do it for hours. (laughs) Yeah. Damn, I'm going to go record breakers. <laughs> There's a location in the city now. Next time you're in Chicago, I'll tell you where it is. Oh, so- <laughs> I, I feel like local band, somebody should at least, somebody's got them into deprived, right, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be, that's got like one of the, I mean, honestly, that was one of the first, I think, local punk shows I went to. And it, it, that was, you guys were amazing. Man, I think you and me are the only ones old enough to even know about it. Oh God! Really? Okay, so this is my old old person's story. We have this person that's totally off track. We we hire this person, and Clayton comes out, and and we're I'm in the parking lot. We hire this girl, and he says her old man was in the Nerve Agents with Kevin Cross, and we were used to be in a band with Kevin Cross, and you know he was a band with Jamie Morrison. He's being blah blah blah. I'm like, oh really? So I go in, I I go, oh, so your boyfriend was in a in the Nerve Agents, and she looks at me, she goes, my father. Was in the nerve agent. I was like, I got old man confused. Like, first of all, like, we're talking like we're biker, like it's like a old biker. Like, we're, I mean, he's like, I'm like, he's like, I, you call call me your old lady all the time. He's like, yeah, because you are old. And she was so offended. She's like, she's like, my father was in the nerve agent. So I was like, oh my god, oh, like you should know or something. Just, just immediately, I thought it was kind of a big difference because she was seemed really young. But I'm like, I'm not gonna judge. You know, whatever. It's their relationship. I'm. It's cool. Oh my god, yeah, that was that was awkward. And this happened like a week ago, so that was cool. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it was bad, dude. It was so bad. I, I literally felt like I was a thousand years old. But anyway, yeah, deprived back in the day. So good. <laughs> You're talking a foreign language. Everyone's too young. <laughs> Can we find it on uh, Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go to Record Breakers for that one. Ooh, how cool would that be? I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I would actually be surprised if somebody put out a CD. I'll look out for it. So what do you miss about your hometown? Which one? I'm from Corvallis, so I, I'm literally nothing. I mean, I, I, go, I go there to see my... Yeah, I, that's it. So that final answer, one and done, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I grew up in a suburb. I'm like, I don't ever want to go back there again. <laughs> I miss the food in Colorado. So good. Oh, my God. Green chili doesn't exist over here. Yeah, green chili. I don't think I have. Oh, my God. It's the best. Mm. Is that what they use to make a wet burrito? No, it's just like... okay. You, 
I don't know how they make it, but it's uh, It's like a good green chilies. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, I was born in Albuquerque, so I feel you. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) There's some uh, stuff happening in Portland, though. I've seen some green chilies. I haven't tried them yet. What? Yeah. (sighs) I need to find Albuquerque school. Yeah. If you want to get turquoise stuff. What if you want to do a breaking bad tour, right? Don't they do breaking bad tours? We can like see a pizza on a roof. <laughs> I was going to say, do they make turquoise colored speed now? <laughs> Probably. Breaking bad, isn't it blue? Probably. Tweakers are really inventive. So somebody at some point probably has in the middle of the night just crafted up some blue meth, but not even having seen Breaking Bad on their own with some wine. I invented this. You know what could be more beautiful? Meth. What's that? Tweakers, man. They go with everything. It's amazing. God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Why'd you pick the city that you're in to open a business? I mean, I can answer that. I mean, because I was here. <laughs> and, uh, I, but, you know, I've left Portland a few times, but I always come back. Um, and it's really where yes. I started my career. You know, it's where I built, like, my clientele. And, you know, I know the area, like, better than probably anywhere else that I've ever lived, you know. So it seemed right. Um, and it's definitely keeping me here. So that's good. Right. See, is that something? Is that good? Because right now, it's. I agree with the first part of that sentence. It's it's keeping me here, but damn it, (laughs) it's keeping me. (laughs) Um, I I honestly couldn't imagine. Now I can, but seven um seven plus years ago when we started our business, I couldn't imagine anywhere else in the country that a wholesale heavy metal themed vegan sandwich company would survive <laughs> other than fucking Portland. Like, what am I going to do? Go to, like, Dubuque, Iowa, and be like, guess what, guys? <laughs> who, likes, who likes puns about Motorhead and Ian and Satan and grab-and-go vegan sandwiches? And, I, and again, now I can think of like 60, but I, it, back in the day, I was like, there's no, this is a Portland, this is a Portland thing. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I wish it was a Baltimore thing. You need to make that happen. Order from No Pig Neva. There's an online grocery store right over by Boston. Our friend um, of Boston is called No Pig Neva, and she does um, online vegan groceries. And we use Delta Cargo to fly our sandwiches from Portland to Boston, and then she distributes them all over the East Coast. That is so cool. I can't crazy, believe it. I got a call from somebody in Florida today. It was like, I've been vegan 27 years. It's like little tiny town, the Florida Panhandle. I was like, your Reuben sandwich is my favorite thing. And I was like, this is nuts, man. Hey, I, was really, I was really flattered, but it was crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I was excited. Worldwide. <laughs> Trying, man. I love it. Well, I feel like the same, like I was, I was in Chicago when I started my business. Um, but also I moved around a lot. So I've been like in the Bay area. I've been outside of Philly. I've been in Mexico and I've just always come back to Chicago because it's a really great working class city. It's affordable. Um, all my friends are here and my, you know, clients, customers, whatever. But my business is ran online, so I can really, I can run it anywhere. Perfect. I just, I love Chicago right now. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Mine kind of happens crazily. So I moved to Baltimore at the end of 2016. Um, to be with my boyfriend that I'm still with. Um, and I didn't have a job or any money when I moved here because I just thought I was going to work at a thrift shop or something because I used to work at a Buffalo Exchange. So I was like, oh, they've got them everywhere. I'll just work there. No, I didn't have a job for so long. And then I went through all of these different jobs. Like the last one I had before this was at a really crazy, shitty Irish pub that is now out of business. And I think it was just... Uh, kind of a front for something. <laughs> but um, this woman came in and she was friends with my boyfriend and she said, you have to come work at my salon. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about hair. I don't want to work in a salon. I was like, I cut my own hair. And so she left and then she came back and she's like, no, you have to work at my salon. And I was like, no. So that was the second time. I was like, I don't want to be around that. <laughs> and then finally I couldn't stand this 
pub job anymore. So I just quit and I started working for her. Um, so she was the original founder of crafted that I now own. And, um, we just hit each other at the right time. Like she was dying to get out. She started a mobile hair business. So she was like, I got to get out. And I really took to liking running the salon. So I was like, you know what? Like, what if I just took, took it over and made it mine? And then you would be free to like travel wherever. And so that's how it happened. Like we both gave each other the opportunity to grow and change in our different ways. And that, that's how I have a salon. <laughs> it's just like, all right, cool. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Congrats. That's really cool. That <laughs> it's right. It was so it scary. Yeah. I opened it, um, February 3rd under my name of last year. And then a few weeks after that, we had to close down for three months and I didn't have any money. So I was like, well, that's the end of my career, but somehow, you know, from the love of the community and, just pure willpower we were able to stay open and now it's growing crazy like i can't even believe it that's so awesome like everything about yeah. that story is amazing i love it's so crazy <laughs> yeah that that's fate right there man that's really yeah. cool that's what i felt like it's like all right well here we go <laughs> yeah. just did what felt right meant to be for sure so yeah cool. i have to come see your salon Please come out. I have to go yeah. see your salon too. Yes. Doesn't Shauna work there too sometimes? Yeah, Shauna works there too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Oh <laughs> All right. We got to do some traveling after this bullshit. We're planning a lot of trips on this call right now. Yep. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go. So, what gave. How, what gave the rest of you the confidence to open your own business? Or did you even think, or was it like Shelly? Like, did you even think about it? I, I feel like I didn't really think about it. I just, I've always been like making things and selling them online. So, um, so I was 19. I moved to Walnut Creek, California. I was supposed to move to San Francisco with an ex-boyfriend, but we had a really big dog and couldn't find rent in San Francisco. So we moved to Walnut Creek, which is like a suburb. And I worked at a hair salon. Oh, my friend lives there. It's yeah, it's it's close, but it's not it's not cool. Um, so I was right. lot, and I didn't meet anyone that was uh, that had similar taste to me. So I was working as a receptionist at a hair salon, and then as a side hustle, I opened up an Etsy shop, and um, I was just going to the thrift store buying like. Uh, blankets, fabrics, and like making pouches and wallets and little tote bags. And I just, I was making money. And so the confidence like wasn't there. It was just more of a side hustle. And then I, I kept working side jobs, mostly receptionists at hair salons and like serving um, at restaurants most recently. And then um, just uh, three years ago, I moved into my own little workshop space and quit my serving job and um then COVID happened the next year. So yeah. The confidence really just came naturally. It wasn't like everyone was I mean my customers and my friends were like, you should do it, you should do it. Like people are buying your stuff. And I pushed it off for such a long time until I finally like took the plunge and it just so happened to work out and still working out really well. So yeah. And same with you, like COVID has made this last year, my, my business has grown like so much. It's just so amazing to think that like, it took me so long to just like take that leap and yeah. COVID has really like actually helped. That's, That's awesome. so good. Yeah. And the online presence was there. It's been there because I opened up an Etsy shop in 2009. So cool. So you use like recycled material for your items? I used to use recycled materials. Um, and then I sort of kept finding problems with, you know, customers being like, oh, I want that bag. And I'd be like, I can't make it anymore. Like yeah. it was one of a kind or I only made three. Um, so for me to like get really serious, I had to start focusing solely on leather and like create a collection. And so cool. from then I like, I don't know why I didn't do that at the beginning, but 
it was more as, as like a creative hobby at the beginning. And then I started to learn like, okay, well, that's not selling well, or that's not going to work, but this will work and so forth. But I, I loved working with repurposed materials. I wish I could do it, but it's just not sustainable for me. Now those items are collector's items. They are. They're Whoever has those, they're so lucky. <laughs> I think for me, it's like I, I feel like I always knew I was going to do something myself. Just, I mean, like, I think just especially like being around so many like independent women that were like doing their own thing, especially here in Portland, because it used to be a lot easier to do that here, I think. So I always knew I was going to do it, but I spent a lot of time like running other people's salons or like working for myself. And I just was not super stoked about the culture in a lot of the salons that I, you know, had worked in or had helped manage. And like, I want to have a space where stylists can actually make a good living where they can like be who they are and like, you know, get by on like, um, just, you know, kind of like what they want to do their vision and just support that, but also still kind of have a space where I could do, you know, what I want to do creatively too. I was renting a space in a salon that I did not love and it was, I knew it was temporary and, um, I just could not stop thinking about it. I was like, I just have to do it. And I swear within like a month, we were like opening the salon. So, I mean, it was just like, we have to go. Like, I was like, don't even think, just go. So scary. But um, we've been open for, we'll be eight on May 1st. So, my God. Exciting. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I think confidence, I always wanted to open my own business, um, but I really didn't know what it was going to be. And then after I graduated from college, I ended up doing some marketing at like a carpeting company, which I truly hated. Um, and I also realized that I'm, um, I was not a very good employee. Like I don't take direction very well. And there's a lot of like, not being very respectful to employers and, you know, just kind of, I just kind of need to do my own thing. And I think a lot of that ties into, but coming from a punk background, it just like the whole, whole kind of fuck you attitude. That's fine, but maybe not in the workplace. And as you know, when you're younger, you think that's okay. But as I got older, I'm like, this is really not cool. I just need to do my own thing. Um, and so we started snack Relage, and I was still bartending up until, up until 2019, um, December, 2019, which I really wish I would have held on to that job because man, I could have used that unemployment check. Um, if I know <laughs> there was coming, coming out like three, uh, three months later, Oh, I would have liked it that sweet 600 a, a week or whatever it was. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I was still doing a side hustle up until um, up until I went through some business classes. And Snack Village was actually um, in 80 locations prior to COVID happening. And we're starting to kind of see that happening again. We have had to pivot and sell more of our product online. And we've been developing new products, which has kind of been more of a headache than it's worth. But we're just sort of seeing what sticks. A lot of it was I just really didn't want to work for someone else. And I wanted to work somewhere where I could swear and not have to wear a uniform. And I also realized that somehow the novelty of being a bartender was really a lot less cool when you were in your 40s. And I remember you, Tony, saying what if we're talking about East End, you're like, work just sucks no matter what. But you said it sucks a little less when you work for yourself. And I was like, all right. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so I'm like, I just need to, I, I just need to kind of do my own thing. And veganism and um, heavy metal themed puns seem like a good place to start. So there you go. Hell yeah, Rose. That's cool. <laughs> and we actually trademarked the phrase horns up for veganism. So we like oh legally, we legally <laughs> own that phrase now. It's it's uh, attacked on our wall in like a broken, busted ass frame, but it's still our trademark. And I'm I'm very proud of it. That's perfect. Thank you. What kind of shit did you guys have to put up with opening a business that most men wouldn't have to? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's been so many times that I feel like I've actually had Clayton be my fucking beard when I've been having, you know, like I'll bring him along. If there's like, hey, even though, you know, I'm having a dispute or disagreement. And I think in the baby veganism, it's maybe more in line with feminism. So not as much, but there have been in the past, you know, dealing with difficult vendors or something or having some kind of dispute or, or conflict. Y'all just, you know, have Clayton come and stand next to me. And I've gotten taken more seriously when that's happened. Um, and it's kind of Does frustrating. Does that make your fucking head explode? 
I, it, I mean, it makes your what? It makes your head honestly makes my fucking head want to explode because I am not a shy person. I'm used to being able to stand up for myself, but then to see these instances still happening in this day and age where you have to have your husband who doesn't even maybe, maybe doesn't even know what the, the issue was just basically show up and stand there with his penis yeah. and you get taken more seriously. It's like, come on, man. And again, I don't think that happens as much. Um, and especially not in this business, but that's, there's a couple times dealing with vendors in the early days um, that we were getting our product from that I, I honestly brought Clayton just to stand there next to me. So he, and then I got taken more seriously. And that was, oh, that was, it was hard to deal with. But at the same time, I was also grateful for him to, to that, that I had him there, I guess. I'm grateful that's such a supportive partner, but um, it sucked that I needed that. I've been there too. Yes, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I think yeah. even just signing contracts, just the way that, you know, uh, that's explained to me, I think is different than it would be explained to like my male counterpart. I think like whatever gender politics exist in other workplaces, they exist in our workplaces, even if we own them. So it's um, definitely, you know, like being your own boss, having your own business, you can set boundaries, but you still have to deal with stuff. And in like the hair industry, even though it's a predominantly uh, female operated business, there's still like a great deal of sexism when it comes to like equal pay or like if you look at big brands that are out there and companies are all male led. So there's definitely that aspect just in my industry. Just little things like you have somebody come repair something and they're like, you know, they assume you don't know anything about what they're doing or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's definitely a part of the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. hundred percent. Especially <laughs> like if you need your like inspections, like I just had to have um, like a fire inspection, a building inspection. And the first time I was by myself and it was just me, of course. And the guy, he failed me and couldn't really come up with a reason why. And so when he came back, I had my friend who works with me as well come and be there. And the guy just did a walkthrough, approved it. Because I'm assuming he didn't think that I was the actual owner of the building. So he's like, <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> so incredibly insulting and, and yeah. just happened. Oh, oh, what? I mean, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I luckily don't have to deal with a lot of what of what you guys have to deal with. Like my workspace is just like my personal workspace. It's not even like a storefront. So, um, but I, I think what I've had to deal with men probably had to deal with too, just the same shit, like get a real job or like go find investors or like find a partner, you know, like you can't do it by yourself, things like that. And it's like, well, I'm stubborn. The fact that somebody feel comfortable to say that. Yeah. And also like I, my parents, my family's Mexican. So I think a lot of that comes from like immigrant, my immigrant families, like go to college, get a, get a degree. And I'm like, no, I want to be an artist. <laughs> Can you do it just fine? <laughs> Let me live my life. <laughs> yeah. But you're getting to live your life without the $50,000 of student loan debt. So you're really missing out. Like oh. I actually, I feel super, super good about that six months I worked in a marketing intern for, for, um, for a carpeting company like that made it all worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to college for one year and I dropped out of my second year and everything else I've learned by myself through books and Skillshare on YouTube, just doing it firsthand yeah. from experience. So <laughs> hearing, hearing like, the positives from my customers, the negatives from my customers and, you know, taking that with taking that to heart. What were the biggest obstacles to opening your business? I mean, like money. COVID-19. Always. I mean, where do you get it? What do you do with it? All that. Um, we didn't have a lot of money to open it. Like I actually opened it with two partners. They both own other spaces now, um, which is really awesome. But yeah, we had like no money and we're like, what? let's pull together like what we can and then we'll just do what we can with it. And it actually like it worked out surprisingly, but that was new for me that was like a new experience well i think coming from a punk rock background it's like you you're not 
You would that like not knowing what to do with money, even if you have it. Yeah. <laughs> Being broke, you're like, oh, I scrounged together like five dollars for Taco Bell and a forty of PBR, and you're like, fine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I, I have a real grown up business, and I have to figure. Oh, wow, this is hard. I gotta yeah. pay people now. <laughs> <laughs> wait, inspection. Come on. <laughs> so true. But there's also that thing of I'm like, I can just make that. It's fine. We don't have to buy it. nice now i think a big obstacle is just like your own brain like Roz says it's like coming up from a punk rock background it's like there's always that lingering thing in the back of your head if you didn't go to college you're like oh god i could never do this i'm not smart enough i don't know what any of these legal terms mean or how any of this works but it's like finding the courage to overcome that and actually be like, no, I am fucking smart. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's yeah. a really seriously like that feeling like a fraud when you yeah. actually, when you're going like a going to business college and, and total and, and then, or, you know, accidentally dropping F bombs in important meetings and then worrying that everybody's going to be bad at you. I'm not I, calling I, everybody, I, dude. Oh my God. I call everybody. Honey. I know, I literally everybody, and I'm like, I sound like a fucking truck stop waitress. Uh, my, uh, I'm like, uh, you know, I in, in Louisiana, but I can't help it. Here's a bartending. Everybody's honey. And, <laughs> I can't shake it. And especially, and I've even had people tease me. They're like, well, you should at least say agave if you're vegan. I'm like, no, not going to happen. <laughs> but I totally empathize with that. Even after all these years and even after having gone to college, sometimes I'm just like, man, I got to get people to, I have to portray myself more seriously because I forget that people really do you do get judged harsher, especially if just having tattoos and oh, yeah. being a woman and, you know, um, all of that, you still, even, even in this day and age, you still get judged for those things. It's sometimes hard to kind of balance that fine line. Yeah, I agree. I'd say like my insecurities got in the way money, of course, got in the way. Um, and then partying too much. Like, I just, <laughs> I feel like I spent so many years just partying and like, <laughs> calling other people and wanting to hang out instead of like focusing on myself and <laughs> it took a long time, but I finally got there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, money, like even now, like I, um, at the beginning of COVID when everyone was like rushing to apply for the small business loans, like I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to get anywhere near that. Like, I'm just going to tell my customers like, Hey, let's hold on and try to make it through. And it really, they, they like, pushed it and like the whole self-funded I'm self-funded from like the very beginning I worked my ass off on server jobs I saved a ton of money I saved like six months of rent for this space before I left that job just so that I could feel some sort of security myself and I think that I learned that from being like growing up in the punk scene and like living away from my parents from when I was 18 like I just had to like figure it all by myself, even if I had to eat ramen for dinner and breakfast for like three days in a row, you know, (laughs) the way to do it. You just gotta like, you just gotta do it. And yeah, I think it's like even having that like imposter syndrome where it's like, okay, I've been doing this for this long, but like, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I just kidding everyone? Like I got this. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just have to do it. You just have to keep going. I still get confused when people start talking about their fiscal year. I'm like, I still don't quite know what that means. <laughs> what, is that? What, is, what is it their fiscal year? And is it different than my fiscal year? And I feel like I should be, I should have one, but I don't. <laughs> right? I have figured out if I throw Q2 around that that just means like, the, or Q1 is like the end of March. So if you say like, <laughs> Q1 instead of the end of March, you sound like you got it going on a little bit more. Yeah. Really? But I feel the whole fiscal year thing. I'm like, I, do you just get a picket yourself? If anybody knows this, please help me. I totally. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, did you learn that at your I don't want anybody class to know about or from listening to people? I <laughs> my business class. <laughs> yeah. As sad as that is, I go to business college and I figure out that the Q1 is like three months. I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. Though. 12 divided by four is three. Yeah, I'm just so grateful for Google. 
right? (laughs) (laughs) And I think like the one really cool thing about having a salon is that like, you know, we have clients. So I rely on their information so much. Like that's how I learn like half of the things that I know at this point. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you, you know, add this together? What would I do if I wanted that? You know, so they're so helpful. It's like a little community of helpers. So you get everybody like, yeah. Lawyers and doctors and teachers. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody. Well, I'm like, what's this mole over here? Like, <laughs> I'll go anywhere. It's all this small. <laughs> it's so true. How have you made it through COVID? Will you all survive? Yes, but I don't, I don't, at this point, it's like, it's definitely sucked the joy out of a lot of the, of the business. I feel like COVID has kind of sucked the joy out of everything, but it's definitely sucked a lot of the fun out of out of snack Relige, I think a lot of that is because we I, we really enjoy doing festivals. We actually did Chicago. We've done that festival three years in a row. Uh, Vegan Dale, Eat Drink Vegan, Veg Fest. They're really fun. I get a lot out of them. I love traveling around and getting to meet people face to face. And COVID has has kind of taken that away. Everything's crazy more expensive now. Like even just buying gloves, as I'm sure everybody yeah. who has to buy gloves. What the hell? Twenty <laughs> bucks. Oh Why? my god! It's so crazy and. So I think snack really is going to survive, but it's a matter of will my will to carry the business to the next phase that I wanted to before COVID survive with it. I honestly don't know. If somebody stepped up and offered me a decent chunk of money, I would definitely take it at this point. Whereas you, I used to think that there would never, I always wanted just TC snack to be a national brand. And I wanted to see myself as a CEO and get to that level and just being sort of slammed back into like year two of running the business. And that means me being in the kitchen, making Satan until like midnight. It's gotten a lot harder and it's not as, it's not as, yeah. as fun. And I definitely had gotten kind of used to getting to be the boss and not have to be scrubbing pots and pans and not have to, you know, have all these dealing with all of these problems that I used to be able to pay somebody to do for me. And now I have to do myself again and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot like, it's almost like, I feel like I opened a new business. Like it was yeah. like starting over in so many ways. Like we were there, we were empty. I spent all of my savings, like keeping us open. And, um, I was lucky because I was working full time for a hair color company for the first six weeks. And then, you know, they let all of us go, but that got me personally through. So I was able to keep the salon going, but I think there's like definitely this, uh, I think we'll make it, but you know, it's hard to say because what if we get shut down again? Like what if we're shut down for three months, there's not the same sort of like protections for businesses that there are for tenants here. So um, even just negotiating with my landlord while we were closed, um, that was tricky, but it worked a little bit. (laughs) So, um, you know, so I think we will. I think we're okay. We have a pretty big team. It's like, you just don't know anymore. Like all the things that you predicted for for like how your business is going to look like, or like what was going to happen. I think COVID like taught everybody that you just can't like plan as far out, you know, and that's okay. Actually, there's like something that's nice about that too. Yeah. I think what's scary about the, will you make it question is that it's like, it feels like it's, it's just riding on other people. So it's not necessarily the business. It's like, especially with the hair salon, it's like, we're pretty much just hoping that people come in safely and that they haven't been partying in Florida or doing whack shit to get everybody sick. It's like, man, if that happens again, it's like, I hate that the future rides on somebody else's back pretty much. You know what I mean? Oh my God. You're seriously, you just nailing all of these questions. Exactly. No matter what you, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try to prepare everything just I, feels like you're just buffeted by the whims of fate and yeah. yeah especially being in such close contact that yeah somebody goes to a party in florida that's yeah it's it's definitely really scary if you have to shut down for two weeks because of somebody else's ignorance then it's like that could very well shut the whole business down because it's like i've saved up a little bit of money but man a couple weeks being closed again like i have nothing left really like i don't have a backup it's and it's not like you know um i don't think that some of the resources were like as accessible as they could have been you know especially like we're a lease based salon so like things like ppe 
uh, PPP or whatever, like don't yeah. really apply. Yeah. I have like one employee and myself. So that's not like a lot to move things forward. And so I think that that's really scary, but it is like you were saying, I feel like as a stylist, you know, cause I still work behind the chair there too. Like I've had to be 10 times more diligent. Cause I'm like, well, what if I did something and then I get a coworker sick and then we have to close for two weeks. So it's like, you're sacrificing like everything, like not even having like a bubble just so that you can like make sure that you're like earning a living, which is crazy. <laughs> we're one of the first places to like, be considered essential because people really needed a haircut but it's like we're, we're not even on the list for vaccines that's what, yeah that's, that's what's blowing insane. me away man they start everybody like in t-shirts that say hero and every you know yeah. people are applauding and then get to the back of the line when it comes to the time for the vaccine what the like, fuck yeah. is that we're, we're we're food producers so um we were eligible about a Oh, was it like three three weeks or a month ago? Three weeks, maybe, because there were so many outbreaks happening in like meat processing facilities and seafood facilities. So even though we only have five people on staff and it's a huge kitchen, thankfully, we still qualified. But it felt really hypocritical for all of these grocery workers and everybody who'd been carrying the load the whole time. Right? Like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. You're, 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 you're clearly fine. Our governor here was like, oh, yeah, salon should open because people need it for their mental health. But right. And I'm like, oh, protect us then. I mean, it was really hard to get a vaccine in Oregon anyway until really recently. Like, I think I was eligible in January because my daughter has like a health condition and so I'm her caregiver. Like, we were both able to get our vaccines, but it like I couldn't schedule until probably, I mean, I just finished my second one, but it took a really long time. But thank goodness my clients helped me because I, I don't think I could have done it. <laughs> like on my own or figured that out. So it is, it's just weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. They've... Did you get the two free boxes of gloves from the county last summer? Yes. And oh like the map. <laughs> the county emails everybody and says, we want to help. We're here for you. We're going to provide you with the PPE. And I shit you not. It was like, what was like five weeks later, two boxes of gloves showed up in the mail. Well, oh I don't even know that email. Like a client literally told me. So like, like oh I my God. And everything. And it, it was, was a like, nice what? gesture, but I was like, well, we are saved. My God. <laughs> Thank you. This, this will get us through a half a shift. Fantastic. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap. I mean, I appreciate it, but yeah. It was, it was nice. It was very nice, but yeah. it, it seemed a little underwhelming. But yeah, definitely nice. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> With all that shit, when was the last time you wanted to like lock the doors, throw the keys in the gutter at Leap Tail? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> but then you're reminded of, oh yeah, this is awesome. Like yeah. the times that are great are really great. So things I will I better. feel really exhausted and burnt out at times. And same with what Rosalind was saying. Like I feel like I'm just working so much now, 12 mm -hmm. hours a day. There's nothing else to do. So Although Bird Trouble is definitely making it through the pandemic and it's going to get through it, I feel burnt out from working so much. And it's not that I want to throw in the towel, but I just want to take breaks and really like try to like, you know, take care of my own mental health and not not burn out so much faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been for sure like harder because like, you know, we can't, like book the same way we can't you know so like your day that would be eight hours it's now 14 hours or yeah. whatever yeah. and then yeah. like so it's definitely I I don't want to like throw away the key but I do want to like go turn my phone off and like hide somewhere oh my god <laughs> want to scream and cry yeah. all the time the oh, phone last notification time I like needed a break everything shut down so I don't want to put it out there anymore. <laughs> okay. don't jinx it <laughs> I love it. It's great. This month is like finally like my first break I've taken since September and the holidays were crazy. And you know, Chicago is such shit in the winter time. It's like, you can't do anything. You can't even walk outside for more than 20 minutes and let alone go to restaurants. I wasn't going to any restaurants or anything all winter. I was just going to the grocery store and maybe target every once in a while. I was like bored, but yeah, I feel you. <laughs> Mental exhaustion is something real. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, I feel really lucky. I've actually traveled. Some of it's been um, 
Well, most of it's been family related. Um, so traveled more, but I didn't realize like uh, how COVID has changed my perspective, how, how excited I was to go to Montana. I've never been excited about going to Montana. And this last time going to Montana, I was like so stoked just to be somewhere else other than Portland. Yeah. And the family lives there. And, you know, we needed to, uh, we again, family obligations. Um, but I, it's again, it's like with, it's just making things less fun. And so I, I keep saying, I, I wish that we, the one thing that COVID is making me realize is that I, I do feel more trapped a little bit because we just had a, such a hard time keeping people. And somebody called it the sense of responsibility for, for everybody's health. And thankfully now our, our whole staff is either partially or, or um, totally vaccinated, which is a huge relief, but it's just this whole sense yeah. of responsibility. That's just exhausting. It's just exhausting. And I don't, but I think we're all feeling that way. I think the whole world is feeling that way. Like everybody yeah. I've talked to, Everywhere from like Istanbul to, to London to Canada to ever to Amsterdam, it's all just like we're all just tired because it is provide this to have the whole world in the grip of such an uncertain kind of disease and to have everybody so fearful and not really knowing kind of how we should behave. Like all of our social norms have now been sort of stripped away. So um, it's it definitely makes I think that I, it's hard to to know what how much of it is just being tired with the business and how much of it is just being really fucking tired of COVID. <laughs> we all are, except for apparently some introverts who aren't, according to some article. On a good but that's my fault for reading BuzzFeed. After I, like I, a I, year, I, even that's not. It's I not. gotta admit, I really didn't mind in the winter. Yeah. See, it's really, really cold. <laughs> I, I miss all of it. I, like, I, 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 I'm such an extroverted person. I miss people. I miss going out all the time. Um, I, again, I just like, I keep saying, I cannot wait to go to a show Oh my God. It's not like I go to like, get in pits a lot anymore because again, being 44, it's not something that happens. But even like a few years ago with Germany for um, Party Sun Open Air, I think it was during a, uh, not Immortal. I don't remember, but it was just awesome. And I want that feeling again. I just want it. I just want to just have that happen again. I'll just punk or, or metal or like a fucking classical concert at this point. I don't care. Let's do it. I'm not going to start a hospital. <laughs> man. Yeah. Just like, even just being able to be like spontaneous with your plans. Like now it's like, if you're going to see someone, yeah. you go through this like checklist of like, well, have you done this? Like, is this going to be safe? Where are we going to be? And it's like a lot to think about that. It's almost like, uh, now I don't want to go. Like that's too much work <laughs> to like get yeah, together. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And you're an Oregonian. You feel like I mean, we all feel like that anyway. Like no matter how stressed we are, like we're <laughs> the plan cancelers. And now it's just like, or like we went out to dinner with a friend the other night. It was it was really nice, but I honestly thought it was indoor dining, and so everybody dressed as such. But it was outside, and it was uh, fucking freezing the whole time. <laughs> I did get an amazing picture of Clayton in this new faux fur coat that I had because I kept loading in my coat. We were just trading coats back and forth. But it's still then I felt awkward around my neighbors and that. And you've been owning a business, you feel guilty because you don't, you kind of don't want anybody to find, to know that you had dinner. And it seems like such a normal thing. And this was partially like a, you know, with a business associate, friend slash business associate, but you're like, you even, you don't even want to mention it to your, to your, to anyone because then you're worried about being judged that you don't somehow yeah. care about your staff. It's like, you have to justify like all of the things that you do. Like if I'm like, well, we saw somebody, but let me tell you, they're really safe and they only do this and this, da, da, da. like I have to explain right. it to everyone. Cause I can see the panic in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, it's yeah. I'm actually going to LA on the first and we're, um, my, my fiance and I are planning to hike Mount Whitney and we're really excited to like turn off our phones and be in nature. But one of my best friends lives in LA and so happens to be that her husband's birthday is on the first. So we were like, Oh, cool, we got to like hang out, you know? And like, she's like, Oh, we've got dinner reservations. And, um, and I was like, okay, I'll be there. And then the next day she's like, oh, wait, actually our other friends are going, we just have to make sure that it's okay with them that you're not vaccinated yet. Cause I couldn't get my appointment until next month. It's the same in Chicago. It's so hard to get an appointment. It's like winning the lottery. Uh-huh. Um, and I just was like, okay, <laughs> damn. Just get, te- just get COVID tested. That's what, yeah. that's what we did. Man, I don't know if it's yeah. worth it to go to dinner. I don't know if that <laughs> test is worth going to dinner. Oh I just God. did it yesterday. It sucks. Huh? I'll do it to fly home and get a vaccine, but I'm not doing it for dinner. How about Blackwater, though? How about Blackwater? Who's not open yet, by the way? 
There's nothing to be there open for takeout, but you would do it for a dinner at Black Butter, right? Just good old. <laughs> <laughs> I will wait till I'm vaccinated. Then it'll be uh, my first stop. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. Yeah. They're still not doing, doing indoor dining, which is, I, I can't blame them for that. I can't imagine the stress of getting sort of shut down and for like hairstylists getting shut down and then oh, reopened and shut down. We've never even considered closing, not for a second, but we had, we, not for one day, we didn't even consider closing. We, and then that one day we had like last June, actually our first day off, we'd taken, and we were, drove up the gorge and we got a call from an employee who said my roommate tested positive for COVID. And we were just uh, like, oh, God. So yeah. we kept told all of our employees to stay home. We made all the sandwiches ourselves. We were in the kitchen for like 15 hours, two straight days in a row, um, on pins and needles, you know, hoping, waiting for her to get her test. And thankfully it was negative. But even then it didn't occur to us to close because I just, we've worked too hard for this. With all the bullshit and stuff, what brings you back day after day? Science. The team. How many employees do you have? Uh, 15 now. Damn. Yeah, so... You know, as sad and as devastating everything's been, I feel like that's bringing at least our small little team closer together because we've been through so much, experiencing different lifestyles through our clients, like seeing what they're going through on a daily basis. It's like, oh my God, it's like, it feels so good to make somebody that's struggling feel good. Like, I don't do hair, but like seeing them get the transformation, they're like, I just um, lost multiple family members to COVID. Let's chop my hair off. And then seeing how good they feel at the end of it, I'm like, man, like, this is awesome. That's so sweet. That's good. Like, you can't beat it. It's so crazy. Like, I feel like there's clients that come in that literally, like, they only leave their house to come to the salon. Like, they're getting their groceries, their meals, everything's delivered. Um, and like, you're the only person that's like touched them like the entire year. I mean, I don't mean that in a creepy way, but like, it's, (laughs) you know, but it's like really important. Like people need like human contact. And I do feel like in a lot of ways, like working in a salon, you're almost like cheating the system in a way that you get to like hang out with people all day, like in a very safe way. But like, so I don't feel like I'm missing out as much, but it is definitely like the community of clients and stylists. I think that keeps us all wanting to be there. Like it's been really nice. Yeah. I would say my customers too. I feel like my, my bags are a little higher priced. So when COVID started, I was like, Oh, who knows what's going to happen. But really like the customers will like reach out and they'll they'll, like tag me on Instagram and be like, I just got the most amazing bag from an artisan and makes me feel so good. And it like wipes away all that imposter syndrome. And it just is like, there's so much love from them and family and friends being like, wow, Alex, like you're killing it through this little pandemic and you're making it through. And I'm like, thanks guys. (laughs) (laughs) Tribe. For me, it's just veganism. Same thing. I've been vegan on and off since 93. Just just for the fucking animals. Always for the animals. Just keep doing it day in and day out just to try to get people to eat fewer animals, to exploit fewer animals. That's why the only thing that I've really ever truly deeply, deeply cared about 100% throughout my entire life is um, animal rights. And so um, it's, and I think this pandemic is really showing kind of the horrors of factory farming and the horrors oh, yeah. of... Um, uh, that new documentary, Seaspiracy, and uh, the fact that this this is coming from uh, a lot of the zoonotic diseases that have happened, SARS and, and bird flu, swine flu, whatever, have happened because of exploitation of animals and encroachment on their on their habitats. I think it's really getting people to recognize that even if you don't want to go full vegan like like I am with the no honey, blah 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 blah. But just even give up meat a few days a week and let's it's going to be better for the environment. And so that's been the one really positive thing about the pandemic. And that's what keeps me coming back snackerledge day in and day out is when we hear we'll get an email from somebody or message on Instagram or whatever that says, um, you know, I didn't think I could go vegan until I tried one of your sandwiches. And I've now been vegan for like two months or whatever. I'll literally like break down in tears. I'm like, OK, amazing. all right, man, we're still doing it. And so and it's really nice to see the you know number of people that are of all ages that are embracing um, veganism and and more open to it and not mispronouncing it vegan, which I feel like is a huge step. (laughs) Damn, that's awesome, Roz. You're doing it. Thanks, baby. That's so cool. Thank you, Shelly. 
Honestly, and I mean, that's it's fucking rad. Just hearing your whole story is really inspirational. I'm like, damn, you went from not even doing hair to opening a salon like a month before. <laughs> and now you have 15 employees and you look hot as hell doing it and your cat. Thank you. you know, 100% just, oh, oh, good job. Good job on assembling all of it, everybody. I'm super excited to meet everyone here because you all are awesome. I know. You guys are Yay. so cool. Yay. <laughs> Tony, you're cool too. <laughs> oh yeah, Tony, you're fine. <laughs> he's, he's all right. <laughs> I'm okay OG sometimes. Portland punk rock? Are you kidding, man? Oh my god! Seeing <laughs> defiance back in the day. Good lord. I mean, oh, so many of my friends are so. I'm on this. <laughs> They're like, you're on a podcast with Tony Mangus. I'm like. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I have imposter syndrome. That's the end of episode one. Next week, Carmen from Chelsea Salon, Ross from Snack Relish, Shelly from Crafted Salon, and Alex from Bird Trouble. Come back and talk about the dangers and disappointments of being a woman in punk and what they want to pass on to the next generation. 